So if you're new to anything focused on Jesus, like if you have zero biblical context or if you're very, very deep in the understanding of God, I think today is going to be good for both extremes. I'm going to walk us through a really important Bible study that focuses on this key word called shalom. Now, if you were to open up your Bible and plow through it or go online and do a word search for the word shalom, you're not going to find that word in your English you're not going to find it in your scriptures. It's a Hebrew word. Now, if you had a Hebrew Bible, and if you could speak Hebrew, you'll see shalom a lot. But you won't find it in your text. Instead, you'll probably find the word peace or words of generosity or such words as that. And so let's kind of start today about this idea of shalom. How many of you have ever heard the word shalom? A lot of you have heard that word shalom. And it's a word that seems really, really confusing because it has so many great meanings, right? Never, ever is shalom ever used to be negative. It's always to be extremely positive. But if we could sum up the word shalom really simple, it would be this. Shalom is simply God's perfect peace. So if you want to put that in your insert, but it's going to lay the foundation, is shalom is God's perfect peace. Now, way, 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 way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, God takes this perfect peace and he gives it to a very specific person, not a people, a person. He chooses one guy. His name was Abram. Later, God would change his name to Abraham. And God takes that shalom and he gives it to Abram. And then he tells Abram, actually, buddy, it's starting with you. But this shalom that I'm giving you, this perfect peace, I'm going to give it to every one of your future descendants. So Abraham, when you have kids, your kids have my shalom. And when your kids have kids, your grandkids get my shalom. And on and on and on. And Abram, when you look up at the stars of the sky and you see all those stars, if you were even be able to count them, which you can't, but if you could, every one of those stars that are your descendants, that are your grandkids, 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 they get my shalom. I'm starting with you, but everybody that comes from your family tree, they're going to get my shalom, my perfect peace. Now, that people group that started with one, is what we know today is the Jewish people, right? The nation of Israel. And that is the people that God said way, way back in Genesis 12, I'm about to show you. He said, I'm going to give you my shalom. This is where it starts in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Look at this commitment that the Lord made to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God chose a people through a person named Abram that he said, I'm going to put my shalom on. And so just imagine if you're God and you have this water bucket of shalom and you just begin to pour this shalom on a people. And that's what God did. And that shalom was God's perfect peace. Then God does something really, really creative. On down history's line, several thousand years later, God does something so creative. Instead of giving shalom, he sends shalom in the person of Jesus Christ. Jewish people would have known him that day as Yeshua. We call him Jesus. But Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ, he comes, and he is the exact, the exact representation of God's perfect peace, of God's shalom. You know, Jesus said that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
Everything that Jesus did was an, was an exact expression of God's perfect peace, of God's shalom. Now, as Jesus walked around the neighborhood, imagine again, I said you have God pouring out his shalom on a person. Well, now God does that for Jesus because, again, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. So remember that promise God made Abraham? Well, now Jesus gets that shalom too, as well as all of his brothers and sisters and family members and friends that are all Jewish. They all have God dumping their shalom on them. But Jesus begins to do something that's quite unique. He receives the shalom from God, and then he gives it to everyone he comes into contact with. You see with Jesus how he begins to change the culture of shalom as not just a person who receives it, but a person who gives it. A person who receives it and a person who gives it. Jesus becomes the shalom conduit. He becomes the shalom water hose, and he's just putting shalom out wherever he goes. He didn't use the word shalom, though. And so in your Bible study, as you're reading and you get into the New Testament, you don't see Jesus a lot of times using the word shalom. He uses a new word, and it's the word kingdom. If you want to put that in your inserts, shalom and kingdom are the exact same thing, the exact same principle. In the kingdom, right, Jesus, remember last week we talked about prayer. And Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You remember that piece? He says that pray, 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 pray that God's kingdom and God's ways, because every king, every kingdom has a king. And so pray that God's heavenly kingdom will also be represented perfectly here on earth. Right? So what he says is, let's start behaving down here the way that we're going to behave up there. May God's will in heaven also be true here. And Jesus was the one who teaches us a new way to be human. He says, watch me. I want you to do what I do. I only do what I see the Father doing, and I want you to do the same. I want you to do only what you see me doing. Follow my lead, right? For those of us in the room who are parents, we do this all the time with our kids. They follow our lead. They follow our example. My sweetheart, Allie, man, she tells the same jokes her daddy tells, and she's even funnier than I am, right? Like she, She's watching me, and she's picking up on these fun habits. And that's what Jesus did. He took God's shalom and he talked about it in the, in the idea of kingdom. And this is how he went about it. I want to give you three kingdom expressions found in Jesus. Now notice what he says first in, in Matthew 6, 33. But seek second. What? Come on. Seek what? Now, is there any ambiguity in that? Is there any confusion? Like if you were writing a list of all the things that Jesus said to seek first, where would this one go? Number what? Man, you guys are so smart, right? And so... You don't have to stumble around in the dark this week spiritually going, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder what God wants me to do. Man, I'm about to blow your mind, right? I'm about to turn the light on in your life, and you're going to go, oh, I know exactly what to do. Now, you may, not, you may have a heck of a time figuring out number two, three, and four, but I'm going to point your feet in the right direction on number one. Jesus tells us, seek first, the very first thing, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things you worry about, your bills, your love life, your house, your kitchen being remodeled, right, Lori? All of those things will take care of themselves. Seek this first. Right? What did Jesus mean when he's talking about this kingdom that you're seeking? I want to give it to you in three ways. For some, this is a reminder. Like if you're calling New City Church home, listen, this should be the thing that at any moment I could stop you in the hallway and ask you the three expressions of kingdom, and you should rattle these three things off, prosperity, justice, and integrity. You shouldn't have to consult, consult your notes. You shouldn't have to think. Like it should be right here, as simple as what's your name? right? Because this is so important to the foundation of who we are as a people that make up this local congregation called New City Church. We seek these things at New City first and foremost, just as Jesus said, three kingdom expressions. Are you ready? The number one is prosperity. And I ain't talking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, right? 
And if you come from a church background, you're like, oh, here you go. You're going to start talking about that prosperity gospel. Would you just chill for a minute? That's how the world behaves. The world behaves in give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Jesus says, God, give it to me so that I can give it to others. That's kingdom. Prosperity is this sense. And thinking about Jesus first, Jesus made everything better. Every, uh, Charlie Blair, one of our elders, said this. He said the only job that Jesus was horrible at was being an undertaker. Because he just couldn't stay dead and people around him couldn't stay dead, right? He just brought people back to life everywhere he went. But outside of being an undertaker and mortician, Jesus was the best bartender. Read the scriptures. He made the best wine. He was the best caterer. He fed 5,000 people twice with like a couple loaves of bread and a fish, right? He was the best doctor. He healed everybody that needed healing, right? He was, I mean, he was just the best at every, he was the best baker. He was the best at every, Jesus didn't go anywhere that the place didn't get better. Jesus was extremely prosperous. You should be like Jesus. I should be like Jesus. Everywhere your feet go, please hear this, as a follower of Jesus, as a person who is seeking first his kingdom, everywhere Not most places, everywhere your feet go, the place should be better because you show up. Tonight at the Royal Rumble, for you guys who show up, you should bring the best chip and dip. You should, I'm not against mountain lightning, but I only bring mountain dew, right? Because I'm going to bring the best, right? When you, when you go to your in-law's house, you, they should be, like, for those of you guys who are in kind of courtship and you're dating somebody right now, her parents, his parents should love you and be so grateful that he or she found you because you're making their child's life so much better. When you show up to work, your boss should be thrilled that you applied for that job. You should, be the, you should be the one who's on time and doesn't beg to leave early. You should be the one who gets your job done. And you should never be the one that says, well, I'd work harder if you paid me more. No, you agreed to the wage. Wherever you go, man, you should make the place better. In your family, you should be your parents' favorite kid. You should be the best friend. You should be the best person at New City Church. I mean, just how, how do you walk in every situation where you go, you know what, I'm here today and I'm going to make this better. How often do we step into environments hoping that they make us better? See, that's, that's the, hey, give me your shalom and I'm going to be greedy with it. No, 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 no. We are a people who receive all of God's goodness so that we can make everyone else better at every opportunity. Prosperity. Does that make sense? It's really simple. Like, people should be happy to know you and to see you. And so if there's any environment in your life where people really don't like you or they really wish you weren't there, it's not them, it's you. you got some work to do. Be like Jesus. You bring the shalom. Here's the thing. This is, this is the great biblical principle. When God sees that you're going to give the shalom, He will keep giving you more of it. He will not let you run out of goodness. You cannot outgive God, church. You can't outkind God, outnice God, outlove God. He is going to fill you up as you continue to give it away. But if you're not going to even give what you've got, why would He give you any more? It's pretty simple. What about the second thing Jesus did when you talk about kingdom expressions? Not only did Jesus make everything better, Jesus was full of integrity. Jesus was who He claimed to be always. Some of you have a Sunday morning personality. Like, you, you, you use words with me, 
And if I were to sneak up on you at work, I would hear a whole different language that you have. Your language is much more colorful at work, right? Your jokes are way funnier on Monday than they are on Sunday, right? And we have this personality where we act one way within a certain group of people and we act a different way with another group. What would it look like if we always looked like we were a follower of Jesus? What would it look like if the person that you are on your best behavior when you're following Jesus, and I'm not saying that means your most cleaned up behavior, right? Here, men in the room, I got to speak to you guys real quick. The last thing I want to do is tame you and neuter you for the kingdom of God, right? Like, hang out with me. Like, I'm not always going to say, like, probably the night, I'm, I'm a guy, right? And I say stupid things and I'm okay with that, right? And sometimes I lose my cool and I'm okay with that. I'm just not going to sin in my anger. I'm not asking you to be some little tamed little guy. No, 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 no. We are men. God designed us a certain way. And man, let's follow Jesus' lead. Let's be men of integrity. Women in the room, let's be women of integrity. That we are always the same no matter where we are. And we don't act one way on Sunday and one way on Tuesday. No, just be you. Even if you got flaws, let us see your flaws. We ain't perfect. You know that, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. Too many of you are laughing, right? Too many of you are laughing. Look at the third thing Jesus did. Man, he was just. In God's kingdom, it's all justice. And Jesus was all justice all the time. Jesus always had the perfect answer and the perfect judgment. One time, some guys come to him trying to trick him, and they've got a dollar bill. They've got a coin. And they say, hey, Jesus, uh, what do you think we should do with this? Caesar's got so many demands on us. Should we do what Caesar says or should we do what God says? What do we do? And they're trying to trick him. Because if he answers it wrong, you know, he could be in trouble with Rome or he could be in trouble with the Hebrew people or the Jewish people. What does Jesus say? He says, give me the coin. He gives it back, by the way, but he takes the coin and he says, look at it. He says, whose picture's on this coin? And the smart guys, the Pharisees said, well, it's Caesar's. He's like, right. So give Caesar's what is Caesar's and give God what is God. And their jaws are on the ground. What? He's always had the perfect answer. You couldn't trick him. You couldn't, you couldn't cause him to stumble. Think about perfect judgment, right? Lady is brought to him who was caught in adultery. That means that she was in the act of adultery and she was caught. And the, the law allowed if there was an eyewitness that would, uh, would say that this was happening, uh, that, that she could be stoned to, to death. And so they bring her before Jesus, and they're, they're looking to see, trap him again. Will he let her out of this and therefore break the law? Or will he uh, uh, help stone her and then be in trouble with the people? Like, what's the story here? And Jesus says to the, the angry mob, whoever has no sin, you can throw the first stone. And it says, starting with the oldest people in their group, they dropped their stones and they went home. Until there was no one left except Jesus and this woman who was probably uh, mostly naked and completely embarrassed and ashamed. And he says, hey, where are your accusers? She says, they've all gone. No one's here to accuse me. He says, neither do I. But that's not the end of the story, right? He says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. The judgment is, I've protected you. I'm showing you grace, right? No one's going to hurt you today. But don't do this life again. Change the direction that you walk, right? Change. Follow my example. He always had the best. Now, I want you to think about your best idea of what God's kingdom is going to be like one day. You think about that. The streets of gold, right? All these things that you maybe you've been taught as a kid, right? Or you've heard. The pearly gates. In God's kingdom, do you think there will be poverty? No way. There's no the other side of the tracks in God's kingdom. 
In God's kingdom, do you think there's going to be two-faced and people with, uh, that are hypocrites or people who will act one way on Sunday and one way on a Monday? No. And in God's kingdom, do you think there's going to be any reason for a judicial system with courts and lawyers and lawsuits? No. Let's behave that way now. Let's just start. Just start practicing. Are you going to get it right all the time? No, but when we just start practicing, stepping into to being just as Jesus was. Look what Jesus said. Let's continue the Bible study. So prosperity, integrity, justice. Man, tattoo that on your memory. That's what Jesus did. At New City, we are a people. You're like, how do I know if New City's my church home? Here's how you know. Everywhere you go, you make it better. You're always the person that you claim to be, and you stand for justice. Man, you do those three things, you're in the club, right? If you don't do those things, and somebody asks you where you go to church, tell them Lenexa Baptist. I don't care. Tell them somewhere else, right? <laughs> don't tell them here. John 20, 21, Jesus says this, and I'm kidding. Lenexa Baptist are our friends. But you can, if you are going to be mean, tell them you go there. John 20, 21, Jesus says this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. All that stuff I just said about what Jesus did, here's Jesus telling us to go do the same. When you see that word peace be with you, what word do you think Jesus is referring to? There you go, right? God's perfect peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you people, go be like me. Right? There's, there's your marching orders. Look at this next one, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Right? Again, that idea of shalom, right? Shalom, I leave with you, my shalom I give you. I've given it, I'm leaving it with you, be responsible with it. I do not give it, I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world, the world gives you something and then, and then upgrades right away. How many of you guys still have the original iPhone? Nobody, right? Nobody, why? Because we've all upgraded, right? And some of you have upgraded so much, you're like on Google Pixel now or whatever. You're really cool, right? But we upgrade and it always gets better. It always enhances, right? Jesus says, not so with this. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's the beautiful thing about kingdom. Are you ready for this? Most of your unchurched friends could give a hoot about God or any kind of Bible talk. A lot of your unchurched friends, when you even talk about God or Jesus, whoa, right? Matter of fact, if there's somebody at work that you wish would leave you alone, just tell them you're a pastor. They'll never talk to you again. I promise. (laughs) I promise. This is my life, right? When people ask me what I do for a living, I now say I work with nonprofits, which is true. We're not for profit. Because if I tell somebody I'm a pastor, they're lying to me from then on, right? (laughs) I just know it, right? But here's the thing. Although the world may not be excited about God and Jesus and Bible talk, every person you know loves kingdom expression. Every person you know wants things to be better. They want prosperity in their life. Every person you know expects integrity in their relationships. And every person you know wants justice in their life. And if just on a friendship level, you make their life better, you show them the ways of integrity, and you stand for justice, sooner or later, they're going to ask you, what is up with you? And that's when you have to be ready and prepared to say, I'd love to tell you, but it just offends you. Make them beg for it. That way, when you say, man, I am a follower of Jesus, and I am simply living my life the way that he lived his, 
they go, huh. They may even want to know more about him, right? But walking up to somebody and slamming them with all the scripture, you know, wet, brother. And we just hit them with all of our spiritual truth and all of our judgment and all of our whatever you want to call it. That won't get you too far. But man, you live like Jesus and as the Father sent him, he sends us. You watch how that will open up conversations and doors in your life. I'm just telling you, right? You don't have to be afraid. If we all said, hey, we're going to go out door knocking today, and you're just going to, when somebody opens the door, you're just going to tell them everything you know about Jesus, be afraid, be very afraid, right? Because you're probably going to say something stupid. But if I said, hey, for the next seven days, all I want you to do is to make it better, always be who you say you're going to be, and stand for justice, wow, that's pretty good. Let's just do that every day for the rest of the year and let's see how many people are attracted to your life and to maybe even the place that you go to worship because they're pointing you towards something very specific. Is that fair? Now, after Jesus, probably the most well-known guy in the New Testament is a guy named Paul. And Paul continues to talk of shalom and he continues to talk of kingdom. But Paul is talking to the Gentile people under the authority of Rome and they have no concept of shalom because shalom is what kind of word? It's a Hebrew word, right? And they're not going to talk kingdom because they have this guy named Caesar. And so Paul uses an entirely different language. And that language is this. You are now saved. So shalom, kingdom, and this saved language. And that's what you, that's how, when you accepted Jesus into your life, no one probably said to you, do you pray to accept the kingdom of God? Probably no one said to you, hey, do you want to come and experience God's shalom for the rest of your life? No, someone probably said this to you, brother, sister, do you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? And that is how, that's just the expression that's carried on into our church today is this idea that we are saved. We are under God's shalom. But that's why it's always good to go back and talk about kingdom because almost every adult in this room who at one point has prayed a prayer of salvation has, has received it as you are saved. God has dumped his shalom on you and you are done. Good job. And I'm saying, no, you ain't done. We are to be the kingdom bearers. We are to be expressions as Jesus. Go and take that saveness and express it in prosperity, integrity, and justice everywhere you go. We ain't done. And our proclamation of the gospel only no longer works. They have to see that it's real and that it's legit and that it actually impacts our life, not just for an hour on Sunday, but it's who we are. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Great Bible study for you to unpack this week. A great Bible study for you to uh, pour over and read. This is a lot of rich text right here. Ephesians is the letter that Paul wrote that we call the church planner's manifesto. Like if you're going to be a person who goes and plants a church, you need to have a good understanding of Ephesians chapter 2. And this letter was written to a bunch of young men and young leaders who were going and planting churches. And this was basically Paul telling them what to do and what not to do. And this is what he says. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins. He's talking about their past. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. There used to be a time when you didn't follow God, you followed other things. That's what he's saying. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Maybe you even come in here this morning still in that lifestyle. You simply do what you think is best. You simply do what feels good. And you simply are okay with waking up the next day going, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's just kind of your life, right? You're just, you're just kind of a, uh, it could be better, but I don't know how. I'm just going to continue in this same mode of operation. That was all of us. All of us have once been there. 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been what? See the word? It is by grace. Now notice that. I'm going to back up. Notice this sentence. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Mercy means that you don't get what you should get. Right? Mercy means you don't get what's coming to you. That somebody stands in for you and says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take it for them. That's mercy. Who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Do you remember how I started my time today talking about the Royal Rumble and I said that I want people to have the chance to belong before they believe? Right? Notice what Jesus or what Paul is saying here. That Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, like what Jesus did for you, he did it for you before you got you together. Before you started making all of the right decisions, Jesus made the best decision for you. And so some of you still have this mindset that you can't get involved or you can't take your next spiritual step until you get this thing in your life in order. And I would say that is a lie from the enemy. You take the step and let God fix your life. Nowhere does God expect you to save you and then you get to come into the kingdom. He's already made your path straight. All you have to do is step into this. You have been saved in God, raised us up with Christ, and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, we talked about mercy, now let's talk about grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. Grace is that somebody just simply says, here, here's a hundred bucks. Well, I didn't do anything to earn it. I know, just want to give it to you. God bless you. Grace. Salvation is grace. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that, you can, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have been prepared in this kingdom living to go and do good works. You have to get out of your mind that your job as a believer is to go to church. Guys, that is, that is moronic to think that Jesus did everything in your life so that you could simply go to sit in a church and listen to a chubby guy tell you about God. Does that not just sound crazy? No, you were made for so much more. You are called to be the church, not just go to church. You come to church. I do my best to inspire you towards the things of God. Hope that you're in the word throughout the week. But man, you got to be the Jesus wherever you go. Well, I went to church on Sunday. Great. You want a cookie? I mean... I'm glad that you're here. I think it's important. But we are all going to leave here and we're going to go somewhere else. Do you take that Jesus? Do you follow Jesus into that place? Therefore, (coughs) remember that formerly, now we're going to go back to Abraham. Are you ready? Where I started, where God originally gave shalom to Abraham. Look what Paul says. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, meaning that we're not Jewish, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluding from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Why were we separate? Because we simply weren't Jewish. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus is the one who joins the two families together. Jesus is the one that allows us to be grafted into the promise that God made Abraham and to all of those stars that he said to count. That, man, we get to be a part of that promise. Now, notice the last scripture for this morning. Colossians 3, 13. I'm sorry, 3, 15. Paul writes this. Let the peace 
That shalom, that perfect peace, right? Let that peace of Christ be in what? Come on, say that with me. Be in what? Control of your heart. Listen, why does Paul write that? Because you have a a battle that you're about to start fighting today. And that battle is who is going to have control of your heart? If, If this wasn't so, Paul wouldn't write it. If everybody had God in control of their heart all the time, there would be no need to write this. The reason Paul said, listen, you need to let the peace of God, God's shalom, God's kingdom, this idea that you are saved to be in control of your life, because if not, something else will be in control of it, and nothing will change about you. Slap your hand and say, shame on me. Shame on you if after you hear the words of Jesus, right, there's a lot of scripture today, and then you leave these doors going, oh yeah, that has no impact on my life whatsoever. No, 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 no. We hear and we do. And we begin to take this spiritual step of saying, man, God, I want your ways and your shalom to be in control of my life, to be in control of my heart, to be in control of everything that I'm going to do. Now, I want to try to explain this to you one last way, uh, and so I, but I need, I need God. So God, could you come join me this morning? And I invited somebody up that maybe looks like what we think maybe God would look like with gray hair. And so Charlie Blair, come on up here, all right? Charlie's going to be our, our God this morning. And I'm going to be a representation of just people. And God has shalom. So God, would you give us uh, your example of shalom this morning? Boom. Oh, let's, let's fix it. Boom. Boom. Okay, just keep it over. God, it is impossible for God not to have shalom. He is shalom, Right? And we as people get to choose something. Do we want to be under God's shalom or do we not want to be under God's shalom? It's our choice. God's shalom is always there. God doesn't sometimes remove his shalom because he's mad at us or he's had a long day. He just simply says, this is my expectation for your life. You're welcome to be under it. Anybody ever been caught in a storm? Anybody ever been caught in a storm and wish you had one of these? Right? Anybody ever been caught in a storm of life and cried out to God for help? Sometimes we get in a storm of life because of decisions we make. Sometimes we get in a storm of life because the storm's coming. Jesus one time said, he said, um, uh, pay attention to the foundation that you build. Build on the foundation that is God. Because when storms come into your life, not if, but when storms. Now, some of you, here's what I noticed about storms. Sometimes, like right now, I'm just kind of standing here. But I promise you, in storms, like when, if it would have started raining right now, I'd get a little closer to God because I don't want to get wet, right? Now, some of you, listen, that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. You need to snuggle up to God because you're in a mess. You're in a storm. And if you've ever been caught in a storm before you could get to your umbrella, you know that you may be a little wet before you get under it. And under God's shalom, you still may have some consequences of what you're going on, but you stay there and you get dry off, dried off in God's love and in God's provision. And don't you dare, once you start kind of getting all, you know, what kind of things starting to settle, it looks like the clouds are breaking. Don't you dare go, thank you, God. See you later. I'm going to go back and do what I want to do now. Because that's what we do, right? And then God has to bring another storm so that we go, okay, I'm sorry. Right? Now, sometimes Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. See, I believe that God is a sending God, that God's on the move. And so sometimes, Mr. God, if you want to just kind of maybe take a few steps to your left, sometimes God moves. And what's our responsibility? To stay. Don't fall off there, God. All right. Now, this is a good time to talk about prayer. Sometimes God moves, 
Not contrary to his will or his plan, but sometimes God moves and he invites us to grow with him, to go with him, but we miss it. And this is when we start praying, asking God to change his ways to accommodate our life. But God, I don't want to go over there. I kind of like it here. That's where we begin to say, God, give me the strength to align my will to your ways so that I can continue to be under your shalom. Guys, this is the best place to be. And man, unfortunately, God doesn't give you any kind of spiritual wedgies and make you do that. Think of the story when that young man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to experience your perfect shalom? And he says, well, he gave the Ten Commandments. And the young man says, I've done all that. And it says, Jesus looked at him and he knew what his thing was. He said, go sell all your stuff and then come follow me. And it says the guy left heartbroken because he just couldn't sell. Now, God doesn't tell everybody that. He told that young man that. Don't go sell all your stuff because I just gave that scripture. That's what God said to that young man. What would God say to you? What would be the reason that it's keeping you from underneath God's perfect shalom? And how do you need to adjust your life to be aligned to it? I would say this. If you would start acting like and living like Jesus, to start take steps in seeking first the kingdom of God, what you might find is pretty soon that you're right where you're supposed to be. And God's going to take care of you. And he's going to see you through the storm. Don't be, the umbrella is intentional. Christians go through storms. Followers of Jesus go through storms. We're not storm-free. We're not death-free. We're not disease-free. We're not pain-free. We're not debt-free. We have to go through life. But God shalom guides our steps, and it makes our path straight. Amen? Thank you, Mr. God. So here's my question to you. You have some space there at the bottom of your outline. What is God asking you to do today? Like, what's the step? Is it a step towards prosperity? Is it a step towards your integrity? Is it a step towards justice for you to stand up for something that you see going on that's not right? Like, what is God asking you to do? I would encourage you to continue to take that insert this week and use it as an outline, a Bible study for your life. I think it'd be good. And with that, I want to pray a blessing over you guys, okay? So, Father, thank you, first of all, that you are set apart, that you are pretty, you are pretty wonderful. Thank you for the shalom that you've given us. And may we do for others what you have done for us. May we provide care. May we provide love. God, may we simply be, uh, understand we are a sent people. And lastly, now here's my blessing. God, that you would give us the opportunity to notice what has control of our heart and we would submit our hearts to you. Give us the wisdom and the courage to do so. It's in Jesus' name that we prayed. Amen.